Hello, dystopian police officers, psychotic killer robots, and uh, whatever the fuck else you all are who listen to this shit show of a podcast. Welcome back to the Double Decker Metal Mayhem Horror Show. I'm your host, Christian Decker. It's good to be back. I apologize for the extended absence. Uh, It's been a fucking crazy series of months, so I've been uh, kind of taking a breather. I'm just kind of figuring out what I want to do, dealing with the stresses of academic life, internships, um, whatever the fuck is going on in politics right now. Um, So it's been a bit of a rough time for everybody. Um, I encourage you um, not to lose faith. Um, I consider myself a bit of a cynic, but I think it's best that we look forward and try to find uh, the good in our situations and work to improve it. Um, After all, where will we be without Rage Against the Machine, am I right? So, um, don't lose hope. Keep fighting for a better future. Um, And nonetheless, let's start listening to some fucking cool music and talking about cool movies. Um, Yeah! And welcome back from that brief break. Brief break, everyone. Excuse me. Apparently... I am drunk today. Speaking of which, I turned 21 over the summer, so that's going to be fun. So maybe I'll have an episode where I get really hammered and do this podcast. Probably a bad idea, um, but who knows? Ooh, anyway, um, so I decided to call this episode um, after a Gajira song uh, called The Heaviest Matter of the Universe. I thought it would be aptly titled because... Um, today's segment, um, at least for the music section, I wanted to talk about um, what we consider heavy in the metal genre, um, even even in other genres of music or like hard rock. Um, what do we consider heavy? Why why do we consider some things heavy, and why do we consider some things not heavy? Why why is there such a defined category of heaviness in metal? I think a lot of the time um, that's often a debate for why people don't like certain bands um, in metal or what people will use to differentiate some music uh, from some, some metal music from uh, others in the metal genre, or to say that some music shouldn't be considered metal at all because it's not heavy enough. So I kind of wanted to define it um, to look at some of the different um, bands that I consider heavy that other people consider heavy. Um, and what it is that makes a band heavy is it the topics, is it the 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 breakdowns? What is it uh, that makes a band heavy? So I choose the title uh, of of a Gojira song because um, I think uh, of Gojira as a very heavy band, um, although they may not traditionally be considered so. Um, the uh, vocalist of Gojira, uh, Joe Duplantier. Uh, he's a very interesting, interesting way of doing his vocals, and a lot of times it's this kind of very, how do I put this, like very sing-songy screaming. Uh, it's it's hard to um, kind of people. If you listen to, um, if you're listening on Anchor uh, and you uh, listen to the intro song that I put in, uh, you can kind of understand what I'm saying. It, it's this very loud, still kind of angry screaming, but it's still like very kind of melodic. Um, it's it's very interesting, and I think it's a really cool thing he does. Um, Travis Ryan from Cattle Decapitation does a little similar thing in some of the songs that they do. Not all of them, because it's, they're a fucking gore grind band. But um, it, it's kind of the same idea, um, just a little bit less uh, 
gross, I would say. Um, and uh, Gojira gets has this really cool way of doing their guitar, and they do a lot of um, you know a lot of chugging, um, a, a lot of very headbanging and he- headbangable, and kind of. Um, you know, songs you can just really jam out to when you're when you uh, you need them, and it doesn't. And it helps that the subject matter is often um, a political nature. It's usually involved with environmentalism and the ocean, um, especially their um, one of their probably, I would argue their um, best album from Mars to Sirius, um, which has one of my favorite songs on it, uh, "Flying Whales." Uh, if you ever see me, um, anybody who's on forums campus right now has probably seen me walking around with this shirt with a bunch of whales on it. Yeah. That's Gojira. But they don't, you know, they don't have all these, like, incredibly tuned down guitars, you know? They don't, um, you know, have the deepest voice, you know? They don't sound like they're barking into a toilet bowl like a lot of, you know, slam bands or brutal death metal bands do. But they're still heavy. It's, it's the way that the band carries themselves and the way that they, I think carry a lot of emotion into what they do and how they write their songs um um I, you know the first song uh, i put in the the, the place was a toxic garbage island um it's you know you got these moments of you know pure screaming but also these you know long you know riffs re- re- rep- repetitive riffs but not in the sense that it's just like you know chugging and each for a second but it's very like you know, in quick succession, which, you know, allows for this really cool beat to, to come up along with, like, you know, insane drumming and really cool, you know, cymbal motions. Um, and so um, they have a very unique way of, you know, of, of forming that where, you know, they have a lot of these, you know, sections where they just kind of let the, the guitar and the, the drums kind of play out um, along with, you know, they don't use like a ton of solos. Um, a lot of it is just re- reliant on on the pacing of the songs and really making them either you know the, of the bands that that you know a lot of metal bands they create a lot of longer songs their songs are generally on the short round for most part um with some notable exceptions like flying whales or um the 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 uh, art of dying um like even that song right there it just you know it has this like you know this really cool intro and goes right into this you know rapid fire riffing and you know awesome drums and these, you know, this stuttering that, you know, makes it so that you can headbang to it, but also, uh, you know, really pay attention to what you're listening to. You know, I think, excuse me, I'm drinking water a lot, and I'm trying to drink more. Um, but what, what really makes them heavy is, like I said, is the, the, the effort that they put into it and that the you know it's not traditionally you know a you know hardcore like you know a lot of you know um sort of before like non-harmonic you know chords or something like you know like a cannibal corpse but they but they you know put a lot of like uh into their riffs it's kind of hard to explain that without you even here but i encourage you if you have the chance to check out some of their songs um flying whales uh backbone is really good um uh the art of dying is great um um just a, a lot of the, those songs um their new album is pretty good too i like it um a little bit less heavy than some of their other stuff but 
yeah, and there's there's a there's a drive and there's a pace to it that continues to all their songs, and it, it really you know it, it kind of hits hard, um, especially just the you know it, they don't have to rely on necessarily all this like insanely fast playing. It's a lot of just slow you know pacing and hitting all the right notes at the right times, and I think that really um, combined with the all the emotion and the the what am I trying to say? The the power, yeah, there we go. The the power behind the vocals and behind the you know the band's message as a whole, I think it really makes for a really heavy experience that you know you wouldn't necessarily think from you know a lot of what we know is out there. That being said, um, it's a different kind of heavy than a lot of other bands. Like now we could say like you know I talked about Mashuga on this podcast before, like they're incredibly heavy bands you know they're they've got the you know just the hardcore just like smash you in the fucking face with a steel chair kind of you know forcefulness that is mashuga that that's a very different kind of heavy you know it's it's you know, a lot of weird esoteric songwriting that nobody really understands except for when they explain it and you know very quick very repetitive um riffing and insane drumming from thomas honk um, you know, but uh, other bands do, you know, take heaviness a lot differently. Um, uh, I think, you know, a, a lot of, you know, I, do we consider metalcore, you know, to be heavy or deathcore to be heavy? Um, I, I think in, to some respects, yeah, I think, you know, even if they have a lot of clean vocals, they do really cool things with their guitars that, you know, make for, you know, if something's headbangable, I think that makes it at least somewhat heavy, right? I mean, it, it's, it's gotta be heavy for you to headbang. I mean, that being said, like, I'm sure there's some rock songs that are kind of, you know, made for headbanging, you know, some things, you know, you can just mosh around, you know, even some punk songs, you know, can be pretty heavy, you know, a lot of post-hardcore and stuff like that. Um, don't really do a lot of punk, but, you know, a lot of punk is what birthed the metal genre, so, you know, we can't discount them either. Um, you know, I think I think riffing definitely plays a lot into it. Um, it's interesting, like, you know, like band, like a lot of like mellow death bands and, um, you know, some more atmospheric, you know, black metal bands aren't necessarily like, you know, the heaviest, but they're still metal. And it's interesting to do, does, does everything necessarily have to be heavy? You know, Alcest, I'm thinking of their, um, you know, beautiful songs and, you know, they have a lot, they have some screaming and a bunch of it, you know, very high pitched um, and they're not the, the heaviest, but they have some heavier songs. Like I would argue that Protection off their new album is a relatively heavy song, even though it's still pretty. Like I think there's a good, there's a fine balance there. Um, you know, even if some songs are heavier than others, there still is that element of that edge to it that really makes a song metal and it makes a song heavy. I mean, so I think a lot of core bands, you know, they have, you know, rely on a lot of their their riffing, you know, with a lot of you know, more tuned down and like, you know, funky. It's um, like, you know, kind of borrowing a lot from the gen genre. Um, you know, just some recently I've been listening to a lot of uh, Polaris. Um, you know, they got it and they have some clean vocals, but I think some of their songs, like I think The Remedy especially is a pretty heavy song, you know, with come out with a lot of screaming, but also, you know, the the awesome riffs that they have in the, in the, um, the verses to the song. Uh, you know, Barry Tomorrow has an awesome great, you know, Choke is a pretty heavy song. Um, 
like that and so they have a lot of they have a lot of good ones even though you know so some of their songs you know are you know might sound a little bit more you know mellow melodic doesn't necessarily mean a song isn't heavy you know if bands are more melodic doesn't mean it's less you know it, it that it isn't heavy it might seem less heavy than a lot of other bands you know comparatively but i, I think that there there's a distinction there but that doesn't necessarily need to divert it from the rest of the genre or that it doesn't you know it doesn't make it heavy you know just because some bands are heavier than others doesn't make bands that are less heavy bad you know i think you know i used to i used to not listen to a lot of metalcore i didn't really wasn't really my thing i wanted to more listen to really heavy stuff and you know I, i've kind of you know vacillated or I've, I've started to like a lot of the you know metalcore stuff kind of 180 i think a lot of people when they get into metal listen to a lot of metalcore at first or you know they start with some like you know like those got emo goth bands like i don't know like like uh like black veil brides you know bring me the horizon I mean, uh, Pierce the Veil, stuff like that. Um, don't really listen to them at all. Um, you know, more power to you. What I, I, it's not my thing, but, you know, if you feel like what you like, just don't be edgy about it because it just annoys everyone. <laughs> it, it's, your music doesn't scare people. And if it does, good. I mean, you know, not ever, I, I've recognized that not everybody likes metal. Most people that I talk to do not like metal, um, but most people respect that I like a different genre, and I think that's that's the important thing. You know, I don't listen to I listen to a lot of metal. I like a lot of other genres. You know, I was I grew up on classic rock. Um, you know, I like some rap. I don't really listen to it as much as I used to. I used to I have a really big Eminem phase in uh, middle school, which or middle, yeah, middle school into freshman year of high school. I had a really big. I think my I think either my I think my Mother and my father had bought me uh, like the Eminem's greatest hits album for like Christmas or something, and I just that's all I listened to for a while. Um, you know, I you know I had I love Green, I used to love Green Day, I still love the Foo Fighters, you know. So I think there's a lot of different, you know, even you consider could the Foo Fighters could be kind of heavy in some way, you know. They're I mean they're you know a little bit of dad rock, but you know they got some heavier songs. Um, you know, Feast in the Famine off of Sonic Highways, uh, you know. So I mean. There's there's a lot of nuance to what consider, makes a song heavy. Um, I think you know traditionally you know when when for, you know the the staple for heaviness was really you know like you know like it, you know it's been a, tr a gradual transition, you know from classic rock you know you had a lot of you know your your psychedelic rock you had your Jimi Hendrix's you know your your Doors, you know and then then it kind of moved into more you know I mean Led Zeppelin used to be kind of a harder you know alternative to a lot of bands you know. Um, you know, compared to something like Fleetwood Mac, which is still a rock band, but I wouldn't consider them necessarily heavy. You know, uh, Led Zeppelin has some of their heavier songs, um, even if it's yeah, not definitely not in the heaviness the metal is, but heavier. And the kind of the way that they they formulate their their rhythms and their um, their ideas for their songs, especially in the, the length of their songs. Um, and then you got, you know, the heaviness of something like somebody like Ozzy Osbourne, who still, you know, who started with like, you know, Black Sabbath, the, the title track of Black Sabbath um, is, you know, what's a heavy song? It's this, you know, very doom oriented, slow kind of slow burn song. Then you really have the evolution of that to, you know, either like the glam metal, which kind of, you know, went back on the heaviness and tried to, you know, glamorize more of the 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 flashy guitar solos and the alpha tree and the you know the you know the drugs and the sex of you know the era and you had your thrash guys like metallica slayer eventually megadeth anthrax you know the big four 
and of course of other bands who did not get nearly as much attention at the time like exodus testament um bands like I, sodom is definitely is still i think underrated um they're got some great songs um and you know that 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 kind of has you know started to define what we still consider heavy you know i think you know people don't really consider metallica heavy anymore but their original album you know is pretty it's pretty pretty good stuff there you know megadeth is a little you know a little bit more on the melodic side but they still had a lot of you know a lot of the content of their songs you know a lot of like you know political you know, political songs you know like holy wars uh, and songs like that, excuse me, um, uh, Peace Cells, you know, and Slayer especially, I think, of, of all the bands, you know, really, I think, was what started the staple for determining what is heavy, you know, with their first album, um, and well, I can't even remember the name of the Slayer's first album, I can't, it's like Kill some let me look this up real quick for you all. I think it's like killing something. I can't remember the name of it. Show no mercy, that's it. That makes sense. Um yeah, so with that album, they really, you know, they came out, you know, with like black magic and songs like that. That that was really, you know, differentiated. This was a new direction for metal. Um, and, the, you know, of course, the things like the Satanic Panic were going on at this time. And so just even embracing that, you know, you know, this is a different direction. We're not trying to to steer too much away from it to avoid being labeled. We're going to embrace it and we're going to become, you know, heavier in that way. And so, you know, it, it become and then I think that's really how the metal genre evolved is that it's become new ways of defining what is heavy. And how we do this? No, and it, it originally became let's just go see how heavy we can get. And then you got the Florida death metalers, death, morbid angel, obituary, um, uh, possessed, and all those guys. You know that you know let's let's make let's turn thrash and let's make it a little bit heavier and let's do let's add more melodic guitar solos. Let's not do as fast. Let's focus on making things that sound heavy and you know tackling different you know topics. You know especially at that time you know. You know, DSI, it was very anti, anti-religion, stuff like that. Anti-Christianity specifically. Um, and then, you know, then it starts to get, well, let's make that a little bit more dark, you know. Let's, you know, maybe heaviness is just distorting my guitar and making it so that you, we don't sound anything like fucking real music anymore. It's just, you know, dark and satanic. And that, you got the Norwegian black metal, you know, especially starting with bands, um, you know, like Celtic Frost, uh um venom which started off as a, a a thrash band and really still is a thrash band but they really um kind of brought into the stuff to the genre king diamonds people like that and uh of course then of course with the, the you know invention of cannibal corpse that really revolutionized you know brutal death metal and that's come to I think a lot of the labels that metal has have become to associated with a lot of the brutal death metal. You know, the cannibal corpses, you know, and then which has gone into slam. You so see, you got things like, you know, epic cardactomy, abominable prematurity, spans like that. And people don't really, you know, talk about other than like in very specific circles, but it is a very select case. It, it is a lot of, you know, pig squealing and toilet bows uh toilet bows going. I can't do it. It's, you know, insane. 
but you know, a little bit, maybe a little bit less substance in some of their lyrics. You know, there's some gross songs out there. Um, and I think that you know that now becomes a debate in uh, in metal circles of you know where where do we go from here? What what do we still consider heavy? Do we keep making more of this slam stuff that you know a lot of this weird kind of just same riff guitars with maybe some solos thrown in there? Do we go you know darker with our content? You know is that what makes music heavy? Do we have to you know make lyrics about dark topics and about dark you know subject matters just murder all the time and stuff like that do we you know mix it up do we add you know we still go clean but we focus more on like the you know the head banging riffs to make it so that you know people can like mosh to this but combine it with you know more screaming rather than growling and fix like like the, the do we combine different vocals with how we define heaviness and i think that's that's interesting that you know it's, this debate is still going on i mean it it tends to be that a lot of the metalcore bands ended up being more popular than, you know, a lot of this darker stuff. And that just maybe the nature of people don't always want to listen to it. You know, if you're going on a day-to-day trip, you don't necessarily want to listen to slam death metal or brutal death metal, you know, or something like that. You know, I don't always want to listen to Devourment when I'm on my daily commute walking around campus. Not that I do much of that anymore because there's a pandemic going on. But, um, yeah, so interesting. And, you know, even, you know, people have, you know, decided maybe 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 less heavy is a way to go. Maybe there's a different kind of heavy. You know, a lot of the, you know, Atmo Black bands, you know, Black Gaze, um, some of the DSBM bands um, kind of go a different route with it. You know, uh, you know, total like, you know, bands like I, I listen to a little bit of Total Self-Hatred. You know, their songs are very dark and they have a heaviness to them. It's a different kind of heaviness. You know, it's this, they're melancholic. I would say that Rivers of Nile also kind of does this a little bit. Um, and a different kind of style of music, but it's, you know, this, it, rather than, you know, hitting you with the headbang, it's more the weight of the song and the weight of the, the melodies and, you know, the specific minor key and minor chords that they pick out that make it weigh on you differently. Or, you know, a lot of like funeral doom metal that will do like, you know, like My Dying Bride or um, other bands like that. I'm, I'm blanking on some other band, funeral doom bands. Ahab is another example. Um, they got some cool stuff. It's it's a, it's a weight. So there's some headbang, but you know, but it's more of the, the weight, but it places upon you as you listen to it. Um, that's a different way to be happy. Um, you know, there's in you know dealing with you know a lot of dark side matter, like depression. Um, and you know, dealing with loss that can that also weigh on you that you have to think about, and it also, you know, isn't always the you know headbanging, but it is a a new you know feeling it's a way of thinking and sometimes you know pe- people have moved away from it and you know just tried to make concrete and pretty songs and but sometimes they mix in that with the other heaviness and with the the ability to mosh and the ability to dance and headbang all the time and i think that's what's cool about it i think that's what's so interesting about metal is that we still have this ongoing debate about what can we do to change the way that we sit? Do we do we want to be more heavy? Do, do we want to you know say fuck all the posers and just go all in for it? And we you know changing, not changing our styles and just being as gross and as fucked up as we can possibly be. And maybe that's some ways to do it. Maybe that is a, a valid way of of expressing the the musical genre is you know 
you know, reaching that next level of he heaviness that started really with, you know, with Black Sabbath and continued really, you know, made its fruition in Slayer. Or maybe it's, you know, trying to make heaviness more mainstream. Maybe it's about, you know, don't let the genre die. Not that it is dead, but maybe maybe bringing it more into the mainstream will help revitalize it, bring some new perspectives in that will change the how it functions. And maybe the natural course is the evolution of heaviness. Maybe it's not reaching its natural connection, or maybe it's both. Maybe each niche has its place. Um, that's kind of the the camp that I'm in, is that the, every every different genre has its place in you know the puzzle piece. You know, there's a lot of different people and a lot of different musical genres for those people. There's a lot of different subgenres that fit into our categories. Like, I imagine my my lovely listeners that a lot of the the music that I listen to, you might like some of it, and some of it you might not like. You know, I, I tend to when I recommend songs to people, um, I, I pick I choose very carefully what I think that they will like, you know, some more tame stuff like, you know, like Slipknot, or, you know, some metalcore, you know, and I think there are a lot of mainstream bands that have, you know, trying to really brought it middle of the line. Like, you know, metal is a very popular genre and in, in more than you think when you see the mainstream in American music. Yeah, it, it's not really. Um, but in other countries, it's a very popular genre, um, especially in this and, you know, a lot of the Nordic countries. Um, I think in is it either Indonesia or the Philippines, like there's a very strong metal scene, which is awesome. I think it's really cool to see it, you know, not just in America. It's, it's nice to get a wealth of perspectives from different people and their different, you know, their places, how they, how they are in life, how they see life, what their, you know, their cultural, cultural backgrounds and how that, how that influenced their music and how it influences the way they see the world. Um, and it, it's, it's good to listen to that kind of stuff. You know, I, a lot, I listen to a lot of different music from a lot of different parts of the country or not, well, the country, but also the world. You know, I listen to a lot of American metal, but you know, there's a lot of British metal out there. You know, there's a lot of British metal core. There's some, a lot of Australian bands, you know, you got Worm Rot from, from, from Indonesia. Oh God, I'm fucking up right now. Or, you know, um, Alien Weaponry from New Zealand, you know, using their Maori heritage to write music, which is really fucking cool. I find that so awesome that they're able to use their, you know, you know, preserve their native language for use in music and, you know, in making a lot of protest songs, um, which is awesome. So I think going forward that, you know, it'll be interesting to see where that natural conclusion is, especially, you know, since a lot of these bands have been in quarantine and, you know, figuring out wh where they go from here and what kind of music they want to make, um, you know, maybe blending new styles, you know, like in you know, black and death metal, or maybe, you know, you no know, progressive stuff and progressive and, you know, maybe, maybe the progressive music will, will end up culminating of what we, cause we're having, maybe it'll be a mix of a lot of different things. I'm excited to see it. I think that there'll be some new stuff that I think there'll be some interesting stuff that's come out, you know, like, and, you know, Imperial Triumphant has been up and coming. They got some weird kind of jazz fusion weird shit that they combine with black and white. It, absolutely fascinating. They're fucking, they're fucking weird people. Um, I think they're from New York, New York actually, so that's pretty cool. Um, so I encourage you to check them out if you're into some weird experimental shit. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to you know, um, you know, maybe talk about it further when you know more developments come out and new people start trying new things. Um, that being said, um, we're going to take a little bit of a break. Um, when uh, we come back, I'm going to be talking about, um, you know, a different kind of heaviness. Heaviness in horror movies. Why in God's name do people make horror movies sad? Why must this be thrust upon us, especially um, in this uh, 
uh, current climate of, you know, disease, death, and um, this mess of uh, a country we're in and have been in for quite some time. Um, yeah, so we'll take a quick break, um, and I'll see you on the other side. Welcome back, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the break, um, for which for most of you is probably not very long. But, you know, you can always go and get a snack, uh, cry a little bit, raging against the dying of the light. Um, I don't know, whatever it is you people do. I don't know people do any for fun anymore. Um, anyway, so, so for this segment, I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, uh, you know, really movies that make you feel sad. Um, it, it, horror movies that make you feel sad and why, what's the, what's the purpose of it? Um, it's something that, that my dad and I, uh, complain about a lot when we watch movies. Sometimes we, we watch movies and we're like, okay. This looks really good. Let's let's watch it. And then you know we get into it, and it just ends up being really sad at the end. Like like the the resolution of it is just really depressing. So um so I kind of want to talk about it, and I, I it's something maybe I'll I'll personally will never understand. Maybe other people enjoy it to some degree, but um just the um idea that directors have i guess with these movies is you're gonna watch the movie and then you're you know a horror movie which is meant to you know be thrilling it's meant to scare you it's meant to make you think it's meant to creep you out in some cases it's meant to gross you out in some cases depending on um the type of movie you're watching and then they just want to throw in some sad stuff um case in point i think the first time we really started to really get to meet this we were, I watched a movie with my father called um um 14 I think it's 1408 I think his name I wanted to get the number right 1408 yeah 1408 um it is a movie um with uh John Cusack um and uh briefly Samuel L. Jackson um he's on the cover but he really isn't in the movie all that much but you know he's still great um he says fuck so you know what's a movie without Samuel L. Jackson saying fuck and uh, the premise of the movie is um, it's this um, paranormal uh, researcher is the wrong word, like skeptic. So he's kind of pulling a Houdini where he would go and stay at these uh, so-called um, – uh, he was a writer. Oh, he was a writer. That was it. He was a writer. Um, and he would go and stay at these um, supposedly haunted buildings. Um, he would write stories about them or he would discredit them and stuff like that. Mm. And so he gets um oh spoiler alert just just heads up spoiler alert so if you don't want to hear it just maybe skip a few minutes in the episode um and he I should say that really you know I feel like if you're watching this you're gonna expect to get some spoilers but you know I'll, I'll say it anyway but so he gets he finds out this ad for this um supposedly haunted hotel. Um, there's this room in the hotel that's supposed to be called it's room 1408, you know, the title of the film. And he goes there and he thinks it's all a joke, obviously. And then Samuel Jackson says, don't go in the room. He says, evil fucking room. Don't go in there. That's, that's literally the quote was, it's an evil fucking room. Um, and he's like, nah, fuck it. And you're just trying to scare me. And he goes in the room and then the room fucks with him. 
And needless to say, it gets really sad because you find out later on that the reason this guy is such a skeptic is because his um, his daughter had, like, died of cancer, like, really young or some disease. And it was just really fucking sad. And he had to, like, grapple with the fact that he, you know, maybe not have, you know, been around as much. He was, you know, maybe disrespectful to his wife and stuff like that. And it's this whole, like, self-awareness. And it gets really freaking sad. Like, it ends with him, like, self-immolating himself in order to destroy the room. And it's, like, I get it. Like, sends a message, but but it wasn't incredibly scary. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was kind of unnerving, but it was more sad than anything. So why do this? Why, why would you make your audience, you know, watch a movie and then make it into this weird kind of sadness, you know, you know, exercise where you just have to sit there and be sad for an extended period of time. I don't like it. You know, you you come out of the movie, you don't feel like, you don't feel scared. You don't feel like shifted. You don't feel like what the fuck was that? Like, you know, what just happened? Like those are good movies when you, when, when you watch a horror movie and that's what happens when you go out of it. You have maybe a combination of those. Maybe you're grossed out. Maybe you don't know what the fuck just happened because it was fucking crazy. You know, all this stuff happened, and you don't really know how to make sense of it. And you know, some you're you're scared. Like, okay, maybe yeah, maybe it wasn't like you know, it was like kind of cheesy, you know, popcorny, and you know, I got a couple good jump scares in there, but that was good. Or maybe you walked out completely disturbed. Like, I walked out when I saw fucking Hereditary because that shit messed me up for like a few days after I saw it. Props to Ari Aster for. Whatever the fuck was going on that made him make that movie. But why make something sad? Why make you feel things? I just want to scare myself. There are there are genres for that. There are movies where you know it's gonna be sad. Like you see the tra- the trailer for the movie Train Spotting, you know it's gonna be a sad movie because drugs are involved and he's addicted to heroin and it's bad. Eternal Sunset of the Spotless Mind. You read the premise and you know that's gonna be a sad movie, right? You know. <laughs> Like, or I feel like this is, I haven't seen it, but there's that movie Click with Adam Sandler that's supposed to be really sad at the end. Like, so when you know, you got to know what you're getting into, I think. I think people need to, when you make horror movies, I think maybe that's, maybe that's the, the goal here. Is that you need to be very straight up for what your audience is going to be getting into when they see a movie. So if you're advertising it as a horror movie, you are supposed to either scare or throw people, Right. You're not supposed to make your audience sad. You know, there's some other, like, weird kind of, you know, maybe, like, B-horror movie. I watched The Ruins. You know, for some reason, that that was a sad movie. Like, you know, like, they were, yeah, slightly annoying and maybe, you know, you know, invading. Yeah, maybe it don't feel – maybe I shouldn't feel too bad. They were kind of invading cultural space. But, like, it, it was just so unnecessarily long. It wasn't really scary. It was just kind of like, damn, this is kind of messed up. Like, I just watched all these people, like, slowly die to these – weird fucking plant monsters that you know exist in this temple in the middle of mexico that you know just happens to have which makes no fucking sense to be honest with me i digress but it was you know just uncomfortable to watch like you know it it, i think horror movies should make you uncomfortable in some ways and, and not in some other way i don't think mental anguish and human suffering is necessarily you know always a good thing when you're making horror movies like making people go Ooh, that's kind of weird like you know for like example like like Silence of the lambs like you know that makes people uncomfortable but it's it's less that you're kind of you know exposed to the the human suffering over a longer period of time it's you know it's a thriller you know like oh are they gonna catch him are they not gonna catch him 
let's deal with this weird cannibal guy that's like kind of you kind of want to root for but also don't want to root for because he's a psychopath you know it's this weird tension and i think introducing you know these sad stories into your narrative really doesn't do you any good it's like well you know I, maybe i was gonna be scared but now i'm just sad like or the endings of the movies are oh, i'm just sad i don't understand you know it the story doesn't it, it ceases to be scary and it functions in a in a different way than what you're normally used to oh and that's not okay i don't i don't like it at all I'm, uh, I'm trying to think of some other uh, some other movies that um, I'm thinking of. I'm, I'm blanking on a lot of them, but there there have been a bunch of them, you know. Um, I don't. Know, I think I want, it was a French movie. There was a French, or was it, maybe might have been Dutch movie. It was it was weird. It was I can't remember the name of it, but um, this guy's like there was wife or his fiance gets kidnapped and like. You know who the killer is basically the whole time, and then he dies. Like, so that wasn't really sad, but like, you know, there's not really. It, it kind of goes to the the idea of you know making something have like a heavy subject. Like, it, you know, it's this horrible thing, and then you know, just the resolution is just death. You know, and it's terrible. Um, you know, some other movies you get into, like, you know, the darker, you know, backstories of the characters, and they're just, like, sad, and they had a neglected childhood, and there was, like, a lot of, you know, underlying issues, and you're like, but, but, but why? Why do we insist on doing this in these movies? Look, what, what possible benefit could you gain from making people sad when watching a horror movie? I don't understand the, I don't understand the logic there. I guess maybe it makes you more emotionally connected with the characters, perhaps. Maybe that's what helps. But but I don't think you always have to emotionally connect with the characters when, you, when you're watching, you know, a heavier horror movie, right? I mean, it, it, I think something like, you know, the first Saw movie kind of does it well. It's like you kind of connected, you know, there's, it's kind of sad, you know, that this, this situation is happening. But it's, you know, it's more of a thriller in the sense, you know, it doesn't, end, like the ending is dark. But it doesn't leave you feeling like, oh, I kind of want to cry now. You know, you, you don't want that feeling when you leave a horror movie. You want it, or unless it's like from like genuine terror. You know, you know what I'm saying. So I don't know. Um, I think that it, it definitely benefits horror movies more rather to move from you know making, you know, uncomfortable topics and you know and showing things that necessarily shouldn't be um shown on the screen kind of like when i when i when i talk about martyrs um you know it, it's too uncomfortable it's not doing anything to it's just just it's just uncomfortable it's, it's it's too much it's too much i think when when i watch something like that um but i think maybe maybe dealing with you know some heavier topics in some senses but don't make it like incredibly sad you know i think there, there are ways to do that i think you know you know dealing with you know, I think a lot of times when you see movies where, like, um, yeah, or, or what was it? There was one movie I watched. It was this um, uh, this woman kind of goes to take care of her mom who has, like, you know, dementia or something like that. Like, you know, kind of ends kind of sad, you know? Um, and it, the, the whole movie's kind of sad. Like, it's not incredibly, like, scary the whole time. And it wasn't too bad. It wasn't that one wasn't too bad. But it's it still kind of took away from the movie a little bit. I think the 
you know, in general, a better idea is to tackle some some harder stuff and just make it scary or change the way that you see, you know, a, a movie that did this change the way that you see, you know, something that traditionally affects a lot of people, and just make that the monster or make you know that topic what you know in a way that's unique and not you know incredibly you know insensitive or out of touch with real i think there's some movies that did that really well um that i saw recently um or one i saw a long time ago um it was a i think it was an iranian movie i'm trying to remember the name i think in i think it was in in the in the shadow or what the hell was it um i'm gonna look it up real quick um under the shadow that was it that was the first result that came up um and it was sad um and not i wouldn't say more less sad but it was it was heavy because it 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 kind of dealt with the specter of war more more or less you know um i don't know if i had to do with specifically like u.s related bombing or bombing of other factions and stuff like that i'm not as um up to date on Iranian history but um, the idea of the specter of war, you know, as embodied in this in this character of the of the jinn, um, being the demon, um, and it was done very well. And it was rather than you know abruptly say like you know we're moving people out because there's you know this whole war and they they mentioned it a couple of times, but it's much more interesting I think to deal with this heavy topic, and change it into a, a different kind of narrative story that reflects a monster that really makes it out to be the monster that it is. Um, which is which is a really cool idea. Um, another movie that does this kind of well um, recently, but this this one I've seen more recently. Um, Daniel isn't real. Um, that uh, very recent. It was on Shutter. Um, very good, very good movie. Um, you know, it kind of deals with you know, you know, mental illness or you know the you know, the relation of the hered- also hereditary mental illness, but also you know, the struggle with it and, you know, the kind of person it can turn you into is it can always be a person that you don't want to be. And I think it, you know, that struggle was something that it did really well. Um, and it was really cool. To, it was kind of, it was a unique take on it. Um, and the acting was phenomenal and the story was really cool. Um, even if it was a little bit more sad than some of the other movies, but it was a good, nice thriller. You know what I mean? You know, so I think there's there's there are ways to do it where you can you know affect the kind of you know melancholy on your audience, but while still keeping them involved in the horror of it, you know, the horror aspect, rather than completely taking them out of it and you know kind of forcing upon them this more sad and more sad feeling that they end up leaving the theaters with. You know, I think that, you know, some of the topics that a lot of these, you know, really good filmmakers and horror movie filmmakers deal with, you know, can be can be heavy topics. And, you know, Jordan Peele especially is, you know, with, you know, with Get Out and Us, you know, deal with some, with heavier topics about black people in America and the realities that they face rather than, you know, make, you know, there's some sad aspects to it. There's some sad aspects to, you know, Chris's childhood and the situation with his mom and how she died and how he felt he could have done something. But there is also, you know, it it combines that with the horror of the reality that, you know, Chris is being put through and that, 
you know, the horror at the end of the movie when you think that the police are going to show up, but you think that they're going to blame it on him. Um, and so I think that that's done really well. And again, dealing with a lot of heavy topics and changing it into, you know, a more horrific kind of, you know, monstrous aspect, you know, that reflects a larger reality. I think that that is done very well rather than just saying, this is sad, be sad now, you know? And I think that is where the distinction lies and where the distinction should lie. Um, you know, I think that there's there's not a lot to be gained from if you're going to make a horror movie specifically from trying to make your audience sad. You know, it's it's you know we're not making a feel good movie here. We're making a movie where we want people to walk out with new perspectives. That you want them to walk out, you know, questioning what they saw. You know, and not just. I think I think that's the goal of a horror movie is to to shock and to scare, um, and to some degree make people uncomfortable. Not in a way that's problematic or that's just done specifically to let's just poke out all these gross things and messed up stuff we can put into one. I think it's it, it's more to to I think a, a lot of good horror reflects a reality. You know, even with the you know scary monster movies. You know, I think some of it and some of the popcorn horror movies it has its place. You know, just to scare people, like like The Conjuring or um, Insidious and movies like that. But I think that a lot of cool and new new horror movies, you know, movies that have you know the potential to go on to get you know Academy, even Academy Awards or be nominated, um, you know, reflect a, a larger you know heavy idea, and you know, kind of translate that. And I've kind of I, I kind of mentioned it before this this very monstrous image, you know, or, or po pointing out something that could be, that might be plausible and making that you know I think. Uh, Midsommar, um, a, a lot of people, I think one of the things that Ari Aster had talked about or that was extrapolated from that movie is the dangers of being attracted to both cults and I think specifically white supremacy. Um, you know, it's a topic that is still very um, relevant and continues to be relevant in this country um, as it has been since its inception. Um, you know, that there, you know, you see the banner at the beginning that, you know, it denigrates that it, you know, wants to keep, uh, I believe it's Sweden, Sweden for the Swedes and stuff like that. And, you know, it's that danger of, you know, having unresolved, again, there's, there's a sad kind of background to that, you know, Danny's sister killed herself and her parents, you know, she's by herself and she doesn't really have a good support system. You know, her boyfriend's very emotionally, uh, dead he's not like not there you're like he is terribly you know, not emotionally immature um but you know so she doesn't really have as big a support system and the lure that this family quote unquote has on her that you know it's very easy to manipulate and i think that you know that draws this you know people who feel alienated are very easy targets for these groups and for these that that promote these horrific ideologies you know she ends up setting her boyfriend on fire inside of a you know bear i mean granted you know kind of a dick but that's not that's not how you solve that problem you know he was basically drugged and you know you know whether it, i mean he was you know not entirely aware of what he was doing during that movie Which is pretty fucked up, and that scene went on for way too long. I don't know what the – if you'd seen it, you know exactly what scene I'm talking about. That scene did not need to happen for as long as it did. I was very uncomfortable. Should not have watched that movie with my father. 
and my brother. Oh man, God, I was in theaters. What a what an what an experience. So um. So yeah, that that's. I think that's it, it's a good idea, and it's as you know, really revolutionary and really a good thing for horror when you can change real, put real life issues into your movies and kind of make them, you know, about real life, but still scary. They, they scare you and they, you know, maybe that's what, you know, allows you and you know, to wake you up and to, you know, to turn that into action, you know, to, to make, you know, be like, if this, this situation shocks me, I should, you know, look at the larger reality and see what I could do to fix it. I think that's what makes it good rather than just making a movie sad and just really depressing your viewer because otherwise it, it's 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 not a horror to me you know what i mean it, it should it should make can have sad elements but you shouldn't leave the audience with this sad feeling for the home movie because i don't think it works very well and i think it ceases to be a good kind of horror um and that's what i have to say on that topic at least uh, as of now so um that's where we're going to end the episode for today um hopefully i'll be doing this a little more regularly i'll kind of get back to like our consistent uploading of this um i've enjoyed recording this episode it's nice to have a little break from all my work and shit that i'm kind of ahead on. i'm kind of ahead on right now you know um uh should be probably learning my lines for my show when i'm in um which is uh, gonna stress me out but you know i should probably be doing that at some point but i will i will hopefully but anyway i hope you're all doing well um whoever you are that listens to this um uh, keep up the good fight Take care of yourself, and as always, stay metal. I will see you next time.